Hey guys, welcome back. My name is Johnny. I'm the host. Welcome back to the Gen Right Show, episode two. We got a lot to discuss today. We're talking Super Bowl. Um, we're talking White Sox, lockout, Bears, and everything. So, uh, thanks for coming in, Eric. He's a good buddy of mine. He's out in uh, LA. So, really wanted to just just discuss sports with him. So, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. I'm good. No problem. So, uh, your thoughts about the Super Bowl yesterday? Oh man, so many, so many things. But I, I'm incredibly happy for Matthew Stafford. I was, I was honestly rooting for the Bengals, uh, but I can't be more stoked for Stafford. He's a Hall of Famer in my book, and just kind of seals the deal. Uh, yeah, I just can't be so stoked for him. He's he like paid his dues twelve years in Detroit comes out and, and just crushes it in this game. So stoked for him. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted the Bengals to win. I, I love Joe Burrow, and obviously I had some bets on the Bengals to win. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah. dude, you know, I was pretty happy about the officiating besides the uh, – um, in the third quarter when they came out and they threw, like, a bomb and they – got like that touchdown or whatever in the last two minutes, man. Like I thought the, I thought the refs kind of blew that game the last two minutes. And, and I, I'm very happy that Stafford won his ring as well. But um, I don't know, man, like just throughout like the whole season, that's the thing about the NFL. It, it, for me, it comes down to like the officiating because they just kind of blow games. Yeah. You know, I thought a lot about that and I don't know. It's just the inconsistency for me. You know, if they're going to call it, I get it. It's fine. Or if they're not going to call it, great. And, you know, they blew that call with the, the non-pass interference call to start that second half. But I don't know. I just I, – I understand the makeup call that they gave the Rams, but they, they did that way too late in the game. You know, they should have done that in the next drive, the next couple of drives not the last two minutes of, of the Super Bowl. And and that's that was kind of frustrating. That ruined the game for me. There was, like, no penalties in that first half at all. A couple minor things, you know, delay of game here and there. But I don't know. The inconsistency of those kind of calls, I agree with you. There was, like, four penalties in the last minute. Yeah, my biggest thing was, you know, I went back and I was looking on Twitter and everything was, um, and obviously I'm going to be a little biased with like the Bengals, still happy for the Rams. I'm glad, you know, Stafford got his ring and Sean McVay. I think he's an awesome, awesome young head coach. But um, I think so Aaron Donald, he was offsides on like, like it was like fourth and one, the very last play. He was, his whole head was, I mean, couldn't miss it. I mean, obviously, you know, they did. Um, and then uh, when the Bengals were on defense, right before they scored that touchdown, um, the linebacker made an awesome play on Cooper Cup. I mean, he couldn't play that any better. And then you're going to call holding or passing holding. I mean, yeah. I mean, dude, let's let's be honest. There's holding every every play, right. you know. So it's just kind of like, hey, they, I think they did a great job of letting them play the first half, and and I absolutely love the first half. Me just too, because of that. But then it's like, and then it's like, dude, like, it's like, it's like first and goal. And you called like four penalties and it's like, well, like it kind of, it kind of, kind of ruined it in a sense, but 
still glad, you know, but it's, I was a little disappointed in that. So, I mean, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things that they need to, to fix for the coming year. It's just make up your mind, right? Like if it's, if you're going to call it, call it in every game and call it consistently throughout the game. But if you're going to let them play for the first half and then suddenly switch that in the second half, let alone in the Super Bowl, I mean, that, that makes no right. sense to me. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I would be a little more upset if it was my Chicago Bears, right? But, you know, I guess two teams that the Rams and the Bengals that I don't typically root for. So it doesn't bother me as much, but as a fan of the game in general, it's it's disappointing to see, especially on such a big stage. Right. And if, if that was the Bears, man, that there would be an all-route riot oh, in, in the city of Chicago. I mean, that it would, would be I mean, I mean, I'll be riding by myself. I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't <laughs> be talking to you right now. I I couldn't do it. Yeah, dude. I mean, that was. I mean, towards the end of the game, that was pretty brutal. I mean, like I felt for you know Burrow and stuff. But hey, man. I mean, they're obviously gonna be back because when they oh. have a great once they get an offensive line, I mean, yeah. and they kind of reconfigure that you know defense. I mean, I think that Eli Apple he got like roasted by every NFL wide receiver in the league yesterday, but. Uh, but dude, I mean, once they kind of reconfigure, you know, move a couple pieces. I mean, I feel like the defense is pretty good. But I mean, dude, they get that oh, offensive line. Good. I mean, they're scary. Oh. You know, they're a, they are a dangerous team. I mean, you just you said it best right there. That offensive line, I think it's the most obvious thing. If you look at Burrow, that first playoff game against Tennessee, he was sacked nine times, and I think it was seven this Super Bowl. It's to win like that, you know, he's sacked 15 to 16 times just in two playoff games. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah. But yet they still held the Rams to 23 points. That's what's so impressive to me. And they hold the, they held the Chiefs in that championship game to 21 or 24 or something like that. Uh, that, that defense is top tier. I know Apple, like you said, kind of got burned there at the end. But they have – all the pieces, and they're such a young team. Burrow reminds me a lot of Brady in his younger years. Uh, he's such a composed guy, perfect leader for that team. So for for them to hold two of the top exploding offenses to 23, 21 points, whatever it was, that's pretty impressive. So when they clean up that line and Burrow can only get sacked, you know, once or twice a game instead of nine times, that's scary. That's a scary keep looking out for they'll definitely be back so right and what's what's awesome is i know ryan poles he made his first like signing and there was an offensive lineman and he was an offensive lineman so it's it's you know after seeing last night's game and then just hearing you know what he's doing and stuff so it's uh it's very interesting what he does here in the next i think like month or two um, when they can start to sign free agents so uh, i mean the bears i mean i feel like they have a good you know, front line and stuff. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit here, but uh, I mean, they have the pieces, you know, it's just all about putting it together and playing together. And, you know, so I know the Bengals, I mean, they're going to be back. So um, I'm, I'm glad Stafford got his ring though. Um, you know, yeah. and I heard he, uh, Sean McVay was going to retire. Aaron Donald was going to retire. So I'm glad yeah. they, they, they all got their rings, you know what I mean? So before going yeah. out like that, so. I was very surprised to hear about McVeigh. I just heard that this morning. Um, I, I know Aaron Donald kind of tossed it around a little bit here and there. You know, it makes sense. He's, you know, I don't think he's 
I don't know how old he is, but you know, I know he's been in the league for a bit. And but McVay, I feel like he just kind of came on, goes to a Super Bowl, loses to the Patriots a few years ago, and then wins it this year. I'm, I'm he's like 37, so surprised. Yeah. Yeah, McVay, I think he's 36, 37. I just looked it up. Aaron Donald, he's 30. So it's a little surprising because he's pretty young. But, I mean, hey, I mean, that's it's such a brutal sport. So it's, it's yeah, not like, I mean, you know, basketball or baseball where you could stay around for like 20 years. and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? definitely, uh, especially in that D-line, you know, you get, you get pretty beat up. So Right. So – Here's here's one question I, I thought is very interesting is what are things that you would change about the NFL? So a couple of examples, the overtime rules, uh, a big one for me was taunting. What uh-huh. like what do you want to touch on that? A couple of things, actually, I, I think age is overall. I, we already kind of touched on penalties in general um, and just being consistent with that in general um, as a whole. And then you want know, to talk specifically taunting. That rule's got to go. I, I, uh, if you think of baseball, the taunting and the celebrations, specifically like a Trevor Bauer, right? That's kind of what is making the game fun again in baseball. And now they're doing the opposite in football, and they're kind of stripping that away. I think it brings so much excitement and fun to the game. Now. I understand there has to be regulations and you can't go crazy towards the other team, but I mean, it's part of the game. I I think I grew up playing sports. It was part of the game and I don't know. It just makes it fun as a fan to, to have some of that banter. Again, I understand there has to be regulations, but that penalty was ridiculous. I mean, I can't even think of the countless times. I mean, specifically, I know I'm biased being a Bears fan with Marsh in that Pittsburgh game when he just looked at the other team. I, I, I don't understand it. And then you got the NFL coming out and supporting the referee and the official on that. But then you've got a game where, you know, they're giving peace sign as they're crossing the goal line and there's no call. I just, the inconsistency is what throws it off for me. So. Uh, that's that's definitely a big one for me regarding the. Yeah, I think that that Pittsburgh game. I mean, I mean, I've been upset with the Bears with a lot of games, but I mean, look, if if you're gonna come in and and you're gonna beat us fair and square, you have the right to celebrate, right? That's like, and if you don't want us to do that, then stop us. That's that's how it should go. Yeah. So when I saw the ref kind of hip check Marsh as he's trying to run by. I mean that's I mean that's that's pretty brutal. I mean that I mean that really got me pretty hot. Um, and um, yeah, talking's got to go. Um, same thing with the uh, Rick Renteria. What he said about you know when TA that flipped on the Royals back in what 2018 or something like that. And he said you know if if you don't want him to do it, then you know strike him out or you get him out. You know, so it's same thing you know applies here. So um, yeah, I would I would totally take out taunting. Um, and then with the flags, I think the players, you should let them play it out. You know what I mean? So, like, within the five yards, I'm not saying you can absolutely hold them and drag them to the ground. But, th- like, there should be a little contact, in my opinion. Um, and then the whole overtime rules thing. I, I know the Bills and Josh Allen, they got the absolute <laughs> shaft on yeah. that one. Dude, they should play it like college football. I think college football hits it right on the nail where you get it at the 25. And then, you know, you score. If both teams score a touchdown there, 
then, you know, you go for the two-point conversions, and you guys just go back and forth. I think that'd be way more exciting than I agree. Actually, did than you what hear, we're uh, doing now. Absolutely. Did you hear what Chris Long said? Kyle Long's no. brother. So I think this is brilliant. I don't think the NFL would ever adapt this, but it's really kind of fun to think about. So game ends, right? Let's just use the Bengals and Rams as an example here. So let's just say that game went to overtime. Essentially, what would happen is you'd have the Bengals offense go to the opposing 40-yard line going against the Rams defense, right? But at the same time, you have the Rams offense on the other 40-yard line going against the other team. So both sets of offenses and defenses are out there. First score wins, right? But the kicker would be no field goals allowed. And you have to choose then, right? So you have to still get the first down. So you have to try to get to the 30 for the next first down. Or you can choose to take the deep play down the field and risk interceptions and all that stuff, right? So you have to kind of figure out, is it better off to kind of chip five yards at a time, three yards at a time, and risk the other side of the field taking the deep ball into the end zone? So I think that's super fascinating. And then if the defense... If you don't get it on fourth down, you go back to the 40-yard line and restart. I like you that. Going, uh, yeah, I think that would be so fun. And, again, I don't foresee that ever happening in the NFL. But, basically, then, if the, if, if the Bengals intercept Matt Stafford in overtime, then the Bengals' offense gets to start from the 30-yard line instead of and then so when they don't make it on fourth down, they go back to the 30 instead of going back to the 40. So each defensive turnover will scoot your offense up, and then they get a first down immediately. So it kind of – they play with each other. It reminds me a lot of how in hockey now, when you go to overtime, it goes to three-on-three three instead of five-on-five. Five. So the pace picks up. So much can happen. It switches back and forth so fast. There's breakaways. I think that would be – a really awesome solution that I never see them actually doing, but I think that would be really, really cool to see. Or at the very least, don't change anything, but both sides should get the ball, no matter if the other team scores a touchdown. At the very least. <laughs> right. And my biggest complaint is let the other team have a chance because I, have... I mean, well, you know, in sports, you win by offense, and you, there's two elements, right? Offense and defense. So why are they not both getting a chance to go out there? Right, and you know they and somebody was telling me, and I saw an argument on Twitter, you know, whatever. They were saying, well, you know, they had you know the four quarters to, to win the game. I get that, but man, when when you have when you have a game when it was the Bills against the Chiefs like that, where that was probably one of the best football games I've ever seen in my whole entire it was life. Insane. So when you try to make that argument, it's kind of like, well, you know, that's a little invalid because this game was so good. It went to overtime. These two teams were so evenly matched and then it's, uh, and then they lose because they didn't call the coin flip. Right. I mean, right. I mean, that's the, that's the thing with overtime is you're kind of starting from scratch. Like you earned an extra quarter, right? You, you, you came back or whatever the case was. So it's kind of like starting from scratch. It's a zero, zero game. So then if you're telling me, I mean, throw throw Tom Brady in there. You're telling me if it's Brady versus Rodgers and Rodgers drives down the field and you don't like the best quarterback to ever play the game doesn't get a chance to touch the ball in overtime and they 
lose. It's it's it just doesn't make sense. Right. And you just can't I just can't live with that. You know, like if 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 both teams had an opportunity and let's say, you know, the Bills had an opportunity and they went three and out and then, you know, the Chiefs went in and they scored a touchdown. And it's like, you know what? We should have scored an overtime. They were the better team. And that's what you can live with. But now it's just you, you live with the what ifs, you know, and, and that and that exactly. sucks. Exactly. And especially a playoff game. You know, it's one thing in the regular season, but in playoffs specifically, you just got to play right. both both sides. Right, and you know what? I, I, I will say throughout – these were probably one of the best playoffs I think we've seen in a long time. And, you know, the refs weren't that bad, to be fair. I mean, I think the worst was with the whole, you know, at the end of the game there that benefited the Rams and stuff. But other than that and that one missed call, you know, that Ramsey, like, fell down and the dude, like, face masked him. But other than that, I mean, I felt like all the games were all pretty, pretty well refed. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of that call, one thing I will never understand is why they're not allowed to review those kind of plays, right? Like, I think, was it last year or two years ago, they incorporated the rule where every scoring uh, touchdown or every scoring play, they review the play to make sure the guy, like, caught the ball, had possession, had two feet down or something like that. I don't know why they wouldn't have been able to then realize oh, there was clear, blatant pass interference. Not just a maybe, but that was blatant. They should oh, yeah. negate the touchdown and come out and just throw the flag. I don't know why they can't do that after the fact. That's something I kind of digressed here, but that's to your earlier point. That is one thing I would also like the NFL to kind of uh, adjust is when they go to review a scoring play to also review to make sure it was a clean play from the time the ball was snapped the time it was crossed the right right and like if you're gonna argue and say hey i'm throwing this challenge flag that wasn't a, that wasn't a holding on my offensive lineman when they just scored a touchdown that you know that that's a little iffy but i mean if it that's that's a scoring play you know i had to do with two individuals only i feel mm-hmm. like that that should be like you have two you have two coaching challenges that that's that should have been a challenge right there and you you, you know and I don't they they would have won that challenge. You know? I think. I think it should be just an automatic. Like the booth is reviewing it automatically anyway. So I think the people above should be like, guys, negate the touchdown, throw the penalty. It's offensive pass interference, and right, no, no challenge. I I agree. Like if that doesn't happen, then the coach should absolutely be able to challenge that play. But the fact. Thing. Again, I agree with you absolutely. You can't challenge every single play because, oh, you guy held my guy holding, you know, I it, it's going to slow the game down and no one wants that. So something like that I would like to, to see changed for penalty speaking. And uh, Yes, and they should review all scoring plays. That's what absolutely. needs to happen because absolutely. they only, well, they do that, but only when there's two minutes left in the game. Which it's like, I, I, I don't agree with, you know, man, I, the NFL is the NFL and I try not to get too, too involved because, you know, if the commissioner's not going to care, why should we? So that's, <laughs> right. and, and, that's just the way I, I look at things. So, yeah, you know, exactly. What are you going to do? <laughs> We're just two guys, right? Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> do you know, one thing well, I, I, one thing I want to see change and, 
and and this is awesome. I'm a big Stafford fan, if you haven't realized this, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is surprising as a Bears fan, right? Um, right. One thing I also want to see changed for the NFL in this coming year is to add different stats, right? So you know how quarterbacks have a quarterback rating? Mm-hmm. I would I would love them to incorporate a wide receiver rating. And and the reason for that being I would love that when a when a quarterback throws a perfect ball and it hits a guy in the hands and the chest, whatever, and he drops it and it ends up being picked off or he gets hit and it gets intercepted, whatever. That intercept interception, I would love to be charged to the receiver and not to the quarterback. Because to me, Matt Stafford, nothing against Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was insane yesterday. But I do believe that second pick that Stafford threw that hit his receiver that ended up being an interception caused Stafford the Super Bowl MVP. He would have ended that game with three touchdowns, one interception, and then one interception charged to a wide receiver. Instead, he ended with three touchdowns, two interceptions, and not the MVP. So that's the last thing I would say. I would love for the NFL to add something like that. And it's just another way to gauge how good a receiver is. You know, I mean, they could have 40 touchdowns, but they could also have 30 passes dropped that led to an interception. Right. I mean, you know, I, I always want the, the game to change, right, and, and to grow. And I, I think that's that's a great way, man. Um, I feel like, in a sense, the NFL has taken a step back. And, it, and nothing against, you know, the NFL. But, man, the whole taunting thing, just, just really – I mean, that just – like, coming from somebody that did play football, like, man, there was a lot of taunting, especially at, like, a very low level where I was at. So yeah. it's just like, dude, so you work your whole, you work hard your whole life and now this whole taunting thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you know? So, but uh, no, I, I agree. I think that, I think that'd be a really cool rating. Um, you know, it's just, I just can't, unfortunately, I just can't see, I hope it happens. I just can't see it happening, but that, that, that would, that, either, that, but... that would be awesome though. Yeah. It would be a way to, to, move the game forward and I think it would help out a lot of of quarterbacks that you know are unfortunately stuck on a on a rough team to start with you know and it their stats down the line I think they matter you know the the stats is what gets them certain contracts the stats is what gets uh you know everyone looks at so it, it sucks when you look on paper and you're like Eh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. That was all right. But it makes a difference. You don't see that, that on paper. You don't see the uh, the drop. Or the, it was a great throw. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, let's not not to mention, you know, the money on, on both sides of, of yeah. the ball here. So, you know, if the wide receiver, you know, let's say, you know, let's look at Devontae Adams, a great, great wide receiver. Um but let's say he, he charged, you know, Rodgers, and I don't think he did. This is just a good example. Let's say he charged a couple couple interceptions, but now he's saying that he's the best wide receiver. He wants $30 million. Now you can look at this stat and be like, oh, Pope, you know, you you costed your quarterback so many interceptions. 
passes. Yeah. So now you kind of got these things to go into it. And then on the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, oh, okay, you ended the season with, let's just say, eight interceptions. Oh, well, three of those were because of your wide receivers. So really you only threw five interceptions. That is that is sensational over a whole whole season and playoffs. So yeah. no, I I really I really love that that uh, that idea. That's that's a good uh, that's a good comment. Yeah, I would I would love to see something like that. You know, whether it's wide receivers, running backs, they should all get a rating. I never understood why just the quarterback specifically gets a QB rating. Right. Well, all right. Well, uh, we're gonna switch switch it up. We're gonna go with the Bears now. We're gonna talk about the Bears. Oh, How do Bears. you feel about? How do you feel, man? Bear down. How, how do you feel about these new hires or the Bears are heading in, in the direction? With, where, where are you at with that? I First off, Ryan Poles, I love the hire. I think that was a brilliant hire. I, I don't know all there, uh, but I think this was a, a slam dunk hire. Uh, I was definitely skeptical of hiring Iberflus as the head coach at first. But everything he said so far, I've really liked. And if he can up to that, I think we're in, in really good shape. I think uh, the, the staff that they kind of subtly built behind has been really good. So are the Bears heading in the right direction? I think so. Then again, you know, it can't be any worse than what it was. So I think <laughs> only go up. Um, it's, you know, it's. It's hard to say until until the end of next season when we can truly like kind of grade the hires. But I like everything so far. You know, I, I love that all the coaches are saying they want to build around fields. I love Ibrafus, you know, being a defensive minded coach could really help Justin Fields and help him read some defenses. I think I, when he was with the Colts, I forget how many years he was over there, but I think it was three, four years in a row, his defense was in the top 10, and he pretty much brought over a good chunk of that that staff. Um, so I think you're going to see another monster year from Roquan Smith and the linebackers coach working with him. So defensively, I think we're in good shape. Similar situation to the Bengals. Obviously, Joe Burrow had a much better year than Justin Fields did um, with no offensive line, but I think Fields was also very stunted by yep. this coaching staff. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think they are headed in the right direction. But as I kind of touched on, they were already at rock bottom. So Right. And I mean fire I mean fire Matt Nagy. I mean we, we all knew that was gonna happen. And you know, I was curious to see what they were gonna do with Ryan Pace. So I'm glad those those two bozos are gone and we won't ever have to deal with them. And it's nothing but memories, but I'll tell you this absolutely. about Ryan Poles. I absolutely love the hire as well. Um, and if anybody's out there that it's kind of upset about it, which I haven't seen anybody that upset about the Ryan Poles at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he, if he drafted Patrick Mahomes, I think we'll be all right. If, if he can get this offensive line taken care of, on the defensive side, we have a bunch of question marks, in my opinion. A um, couple, couple cornerback, um, you know, J- Jalen Johnson. I think he's a lockdown defender, um, but you know, we just kind of have like a bunch of nobodies on, on the other side of the field. Um, Eddie Jackson, hey man, I mean, I think he can. He's a good zone, but I mean, he's struggled to, uh, to tackle. So 
hopefully this new this, yeah hopefully this new staff can can come in and, and change his ways and you know this guy kind of reminds me of lovey smith he seems like hey you know what this is uh this is going to be a defensive team we're, we're going to stop teams you're not going to push us around which i love um so and he was an offensive guy offensive lineman so if he can figure out that offensive line um i think it'll be good but I will say we cannot judge him until a couple years down the road. Ryan Pace really screwed us with draft picks, and I'm surprised he didn't screw us even more. So uh, I, I know, and I, I've been there, um, but I know Twitter likes to, to jump off the deep end really, really <laughs> early, which is kind of funny. Uh, Bears or White Sox or, or any fan base, but uh, just, just give him a couple years because I think the only thing – I mean – he's really going to be able to work with is a couple, you know, second and third rounders. So, um, yeah, which... I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, he's going to have a tough time. I think these first couple of years, but to be honest, I think, I think that almost benefits him a little bit. He can kind of just focus on getting the current guys to work hard. You kind of comment on, on, uh, Eddie Jackson and I'll be honest, man, I was not impressed with him. I hate, I absolutely hate, how he just like he just tries to hit people with the shoulder and he doesn't wrap up. That was a huge problem with the defense altogether. But man, if Jackson has another year like he did, I expect him to be gone. And and that's kind of what I'm expecting from Poles and and Eberflus. I'm expecting him like have the players play hard or you're gone. I don't care what like your name is. I don't care if it's Roquan Smith. If you're gonna slack, you're done. You know, and and that's the intensity I expect. That's kind of what they've preached so far in their press conference. And so I, I expect to see it. And I, I love, like you said, Poles being an offensive kind of lineman. And he talked about having a nasty offensive line. And if your quarterback gets hit, you go pick him up. And we saw that yesterday in the Super Bowl. Burrow got hit a couple of times. It, honestly, it was a clean hit. But his offensive linemen were all over the, uh, Aaron Donald after that hit. Oh, the way hit out of bounds. Yeah, and it's yeah, it can go either way. To me, it looked like Burrow was still inbounds, but I love that his offensive line was there. They picked him up and they got in the face of Donald. They don't let that happen. And right. how many times did, did Foles have to pick himself up, and the team wouldn't do anything about it? There was, I think, Jenkins was one of the only linemen that came over, and and would get in the other guy's face. There was like seven people around him, and he didn't care. I love that. And then Jenkins. Um, thank you. Nagy. Yeah, that's but... actually that's disgusting. <laughs> that is that I saw that, and oh my god, dude! Like I, I just remember in football, you know, I, I played quarterback for a year and wide receiver in high school, but you know, they they always taught us, man, we will not be pushed around. Nobody will mess with us, and, and you know what, man, we're gonna hit, we're gonna hit first. We're not gonna get hit, and exactly. I can see J- Jenkins. He is he is drive, and the fact that Jason Peters just like smacked him across the head, like, hey, what are you doing? That is disgusting. I know Matt Nagy. There, there's a there's a special place for him, and and that's it because he purposely tried to prove a point at least all year long um, exactly. about Fields, about Allen Robinson, about because I mean we didn't target Robinson at all. I mean that dude. He I mean we pretty much handcuffed him the whole season, and Matt Nagy <laughs> had to prove his point. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just kind of like if you. With Matt Nagy, you were fine, but if not, he would always have to prove a point. 
I like how these guys are going to come in and they say, hey, we don't care who you are. If you play hard, you're going to get your hands dirty and you're going to back up your teammates and do your own job, then we're going to love you. And that's what I, and that's how it should be. So, Absolutely. Um, but to get back on the second and third round picks, um, you know, I, I will give credit and, you know, I, I, Ryan Pace, he did a great job in those late round picks, though. I mean, that's where we got, you know, Mooney, which I expect him to, to make another jump. I mean, he, he had a bunch of, you know, uh, drops last season, so I expect him to get better. So, um, but yeah, man, dude, I'm, I'm really excited about the Bears. I like the, the direction. I think we got a lot of decisions to make. Um, especially yeah. about the Eddie, the Eddie Jackson one, because I mean, Eddie Jackson, he signed a four year, uh, 58.4 million contract in the beginning of 2020. So it's not like, Hey, you know, this is his last year. Let's just, you know, buy him out or pitch him. So I, I know he, he's about 28, 29 years old now. So he's going to be, young. you know, about I mean, still young, but I mean, Hey, I mean, he, he needs to get a different mentality. Cause I remember Lance Briggs called him out, which rightfully so. Um, on you know a post game show, and he had something. Eddie Jackson had something to say about Lance Briggs on Twitter. It's like, he, so you, you could tell. That, I mean, that team was just not disciplined, you know. So no, not I, how many late late time penalties did we see on the defensive oh side? Oh my god! I mean, I think <laughs> oh it was like god. on one specific drive. I remember like three different players lined up off sides, three different plays, and I was like. We're just gifting teams first downs. You're not going to win that way. So, right. I mean, the Browns game, especially. I mean, uh, that was the worst Bears game I, I've ever seen. And and that's that's what I mean. Matt Nagy was trying to prove his point about Justin Fields because that's when George was like, "Hey, I want you to start Justin." And then sort of happened. Dalton gets injured. You throw Fields in there, and like you, you embarrass the kids. So I, I'm just I'm glad he's gone. Uh, you know the new head coach can really show Justin how to read a defense because I think, I think Justin's a great quarterback. He just needs to read, read a defense. You know, I, I think that's the biggest way to improve. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it makes me go back to the Trubisky era and like, I think the city of Chicago kind of owes that kid an apology. <laughs> I mean, it, he was oh, dealing yeah. with all the same stuff. And I think, you know, that was Nagy's first quarterback so and, you know we obviously had a very successful first year with Nagy and Trubisky and I think Trubisky kind of took the, the the blunt of it and then before Nagy was truly exposed so uh, farewell yeah I mean I I always loved Mitch I always said I wanted to see Mitch with a new head coach at least yeah, and uh, it, it it didn't pan out that way. So we'll we'll see because obviously you know Justin wasn't going to be successful with Nagy. I don't think anybody would be. So no. uh, so it's really curious to see because if this works, if this guy works out with Justin, you already know Trubisky would have probably worked out with him as well. So um, oh, absolutely. I'm expecting Trubisky to sign. You know, I I hope he signs somewhere Giants. good, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I know the Giants are pretty uh, sticking to Daniel Jones, but I know the Bills' o- offensive coordinator just just went over there. It'll be interesting to see when everything comes. Yeah. It's off season. All right, so this is the I guess meat and potatoes here in the podcast, which I'm just I'm very upset. I'm just not over it yet. The lockout, man. What's going on? Training will be delayed. Um, that's the bad news. So the season, you know, will not start on time. Uh, Rob Manfred, he, it's a dumpster fire right now. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know if they're even going to be close to um, a lockout or for the lockout to be ending anytime soon. Um, I know they had to make the decision Saturday um, and, you know, the players are disappointed. It didn't even last an hour. So, you know, at this point, let's, we just need to lock the owners and players in the room and they're not coming out until, until they <laughs> come up with their agreement. Cause I mean, we're at that point. I mean, the only positive thing Absolutely. to come out of this so far is the DH, the universal DH. So that's going to open up a lot of jobs for a lot of teams. So uh, I, I was never a fan of seeing pitchers hit, you know, it, it was awesome when, when they did good, yeah. but when they didn't, it's just kind of like, are you serious? You know, I would love but, to know if Dylan Cease is the only 1000 batting pitcher to remain in the MLB and ever will be. I would, I, love, that is awesome. If it's, if that's a fact, um, what he batted a thousand, right? Oh, no, he didn't. His it says one's... his batting average is point three or uh, three seventy five. He had a hit before. That's incorrect. But yeah, I that's. Remember, I don't remember him hitting other than that one game where he just went off at the plate. Dude, he almost homered at the <laughs> Cincinnati. He <laughs> was like, I remember it correctly. He was like borderline a triple away from a cycle. If I minus that that ball didn't end up going out, it hit off a wall, but. If that was out, he would have been a triple away from a cycle, a pitcher in his first first major league appearance to the plate. Um, yeah, dude. I think did he hit a triple? Because he might have hit a triple. I think he needed a double. No, I don't remember. Remember, but either way, that's just that was insane. So I'm a little disappointed to be kind of losing losing that. But I agree with you. It's much better that it's going to be a universal DH. I think the American League always had a little bit of an advantage um, throughout the season because of the DH. It's much harder without it, so it definitely helps the National League out, and and it's going to prolong a lot of guys' careers. You think of guys right. like uh, Kyle Schwarber. You know he's going to be able to shift back to the National League if he wants now, and and going to extend guys like i mean abreu is obviously with the socks and hopefully remains there forever but guys like uh rizzo you know when when their time is up and they can with with playing infield they can decide between all 32 teams on on where to play to dh so that's that's cool yeah, I mean that's it's awesome. It, it you know how we talked about earlier. You know we're we're changing the game. Um, you know we're making we're making the league better. So it's going to be a lot more exciting. Um, you know I, there's going to be a lot more home runs now. I mean yeah, I, I don't know how many National League teams are off the top of my head, but if I had to guess, you know it has to be around you know twenty or something. I mean that's that's at least twenty home runs at least. That's the minimum. That, uh, that we're going to see in the National League. So it, it's going to be awesome. Um, and it's really curious to see because our American League is going to want to go to the National League now or the National League going to want to come to America. You know, there, there's there's so many things up in the air. So it's it's going to be interesting how, how everything plays out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think typically speaking, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think, most American League ballparks are more hitter friendly 
versus National League parks tend to be more pitcher friendly. So I'll be, I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with DH. But it's going to be fun to see. It'll be fun to all the National League managers, I'm sure, are so stoked that they don't have to try to the pitcher batting spot. You know, sometimes they have to pull their pitcher too early based on their pitcher comes up to bat with bases loaded and in one out or two outs. They might have to pull the pitcher to put in a pinch guy to, to hit the ball. Be dealing, you know. So it sucks to have to do that. So I'm glad that's no longer. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's what's exciting. I just hope there's a season, man, because <laughs> I think there will be. I, it's yeah. going to be delayed around the corner. It's definitely going to be delayed. It sucks because you come off, of, you know, COVID season it, two years ago now, two seasons ago. We have one full season and now it's like possible delay again. So it's really disappointing. I think I'm disappointed with both sides, to be honest, both the players union and with the owners. It seems you know, again, I'm just a guy sitting here on a podcast. I, I know nothing about, like, the details going into it. I just don't know why they can't agree to a one-year deal, leave everything the same as the previous agreement, just so the season can start on time and resume talks next offseason. Sign a one-year thing with some slight modifications, see how they go, resume next season. I don't know why we're getting to the point of delaying a season. It makes no sense to me. I feel like they've met what, three or four times? Yeah. I just don't understand. I feel like neither of them are really trying. I think they're both being so stubborn. And the players need to just, like, propose something, give a little bit up here, and the owner's got to stop acting like they're poor and that they're losing money because it's it's, it's this is a fan. Like, I feel like baseball is kind of on the uptrend. A little bit with the excitement that has been brought to the game with the celebrations and the taunting, as you say. Uh, I think people are having fun with it. And then now this agreement is, is going on, this disagreement rather. And we're going to lose some some momentum here. So that sucks. Right. And, you know, just, just do it for the fans. Like, for, forget about the, you know, like the money. And, and I get it. Like the players are trying to, you know, better, you know, the players. But it's like, dude, you play baseball for a living. And like I said, I'm just a guy on a podcast too. But it's like, dude, you know how many people would kill to be in your position? Like regardless, like the money. That That's where I get just most frustrated. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it looks like uh, from Bob Nightingale, um, did post on Twitter um, that spring training will be delayed. Rob Manfred also came out and said that spring training needs to be at least four weeks. So every day is going to get delayed, which is very frustrating. So I, I always, I've always went to, to opening day. I love opening day. I love the white Sox. It, it, it just, it kind of gives you something to look forward to because the last couple months have been horrible. I mean, you can't relate, but horrible in the cold and snow and, <laughs> freezing rain and stuff i mean like we we put up with so much and then it's like hey you know what hey you know next month or you know in february it's gonna be spring training next month's you know opening day so there's always something to look forward to now it's like 
all right, well, I don't even know if there's even going to be a season at this point, which I think there will be. But that, there's just a lot of question marks, man. And it really screwed up the whole offseason with moves and stuff now because, you know, we, we wanted to get rid of Kimbrell and get a second baseman. Now we're likely going to keep Kimbrell, and Garcia is probably going to be the second baseman to start the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's gonna, <laughs> I was I was thinking a lot about that when, when you had asked me to be on the – podcast and i was like the the you're absolutely right i mean it's it's completely shifted the, i mean the whole dynamic i think it i thought kimbrough would have been long gone by now you know but obviously a deal didn't happen and now with this lockout it's like okay obviously i know the owners to my understanding are still allowed to talk and the gms and they're still allowed to make a deal but nothing's contractual so he can call, you know, Rick Hahn can call up whatever other GM. They can come to a verbal agreement, but then that, that other GM might call up a different GM and make a whole different agreement with somebody else, and then they can sit on that idea until the lockout's over with, and then he can decide which one to go with. So anything can fall through at any time. So it's going to be a very interesting to see how fast things happen you know it's either that as soon as the lockout's over we're going to see a whole ton of moves within a short amount of time or we're going to i don't know or we're going to see nothing but i mean guys like correa are still out there you know that's a massive name waiting for a 200 million dollar contract or 300 whatever he's looking for <laughs> it's got to happen in a, in a vacuum now you know what? That's it's going to be a busy day. I hope it's going to be a busy day because we can get that emergency podcast coming on and whatever. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, there's there's I mean, there's so much up in the air because you know I heard about that uh, that Philly second baseman Juan Segura or whatever his name was. He batted a yeah. uh, two ninety last season, fourteen home runs, uh, fifty eight RBIs. You know, played one hundred thirty one games. So um, <laughs> struck out seventy eight times, walked thirty nine times. So I think he would be – I'm. he's not going to be a difference maker. But, you know, it, if we could get – trade Kimbrell to the Phillies, get him and get a couple, you know, prospects because our farm system is absolutely terrible. <clears throat> I think that would be well worth our time because, I mean, I love Garcia. It's just, it's just not going to happen with, yeah, with no, Garcia. No. You know. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the problem is I just think – with the lockout, though, everyone knows the Sox are kind of desperate to trade Kimbrel now. So I think his right. value just has gone down, and with the lockout, teams can kind of hold out, you know. So I'm just afraid that the in order to dish him out, it's going to cost us way too much. So if that's the case, man, I'll be honest, I'd rather just hang on to him, let him go through the deadline, at least up until the deadline, and we can reevaluate because who Maybe with a full season, off season, preparing to be the setup man, maybe it's a different story. I think last year he prepared to be a closer for the Chicago Cubs and he gets traded at the deadline to the Sox. And even at that point, no one really knew is it going to be Hendricks or is it going to be Kimbrell? And we ended up rolling with Kimbrell or, or uh, Hendricks for the nine. So I think that's tough. I mean, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to Kimbrell being a Hall of Fame closer. 
So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't be opposed to hang on to him at this point if it's going to cost us an arm and a leg to get rid of him. <clears throat> we'll yeah, see. I mean, it, it's 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 not a bad idea to give him another shot. I mean, uh, Ethan Katz, he's he's absolutely sensational. I mean, he, he's done things that Cooper couldn't do in whatever how long he was. I think he was with us for about twenty seasons or whatever. Um, so, but I, I think I would love to give him another shot. Um, you know, as a setup man and stuff. Um, and I, I hope he could. I hope he could settle in. I mean, the guy he's he's a Hall of Fame closer. So you know, I I, yeah. I know pitchers are kind of weird, but uh, as far as second base goes, yeah, that that would suck if we didn't get anybody. And I think White Sox Twitter would absolutely explode. Oh. Um, but <laughs> if we had, I, I mean, I would ride with, and I would give him a shot as Jake Berger. I saw some clips. Absolutely. Um, um, you know, I have him and then Garcia, I mean, dude, he can go anywhere, you know, he, he can play yeah. second anywhere in the outfield. So he's a great guy. I know we signed him like a three-year deal for all the Garcia haters, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to, to give, you know, um, Jake Berger a shot. I mean, I, I think, I think he's going to be great. If, so I agree. If, if Berger can, can do it. I don't see why not. I mean, Moncada played second and switched to third. Why can't Berger go from third to second? Right. So, I mean, I, I saw his first uh, major league home run, and it was an absolute bomb. And uh, ever since I saw that live, I, I just I just can't get enough of the guy. I think I think he's going to be great. Um, his story is incredible, and, too. Not that oh, that matters. Or like, not that, you know, <laughs> stories right. don't win you championships, but uh, what a guy. I mean, ju- just to get where he is. I mean, that's it's 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 awesome. You know, um, and, and the thing I actually do love about your point for Berger is he's young, man. He seems hungry. He seems he seems like switching is no problem. It reminds me of Vaughn, the kid, the first baseman, and just crushed it in left field last year. So those young guys, and I think that's kind of what this team needs a little bit. White Sox specifically, they they need some consistency with Tim Anderson. It seems like every year Tim has a different second baseman to, to play with. And, you know, I thought Hernandez last year and Tim played very well together. Hernandez just lacked at the plate. It seemed like he started pretty decent, had a couple good bombs in there, one against the Cubs. And then ever since that, I have never seen anyone stand with a bat on their shoulder for three straight strikes in a playoff game with runners in scoring position. So, oh yeah, that was that was rough. That was I, don't think ja- I, I don't think Jake Berger would do that. I mean, you could throw me in there. I wouldn't do that. So I'm at I'm at least swinging. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was he had the take sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty <clears throat> brutal. Um, but you know, a good sign out of Jake Berger is, you know, he uh, he played. Uh, since he played only 15 games last season. 38 at bats. Uh, he batted a 263. Uh, five runs, 10 hits, three RBIs, four walks, 15 strikeouts, and one home run. So it's a, it's a small sample size, but, you know, hey, I, I think he's he just he's just got to get more experience in. And, you know, he's going to have hopefully a whole season. Um, and, I mean, look what Andrew Vaughn, you know, turned out to be. He's probably going to be the starter in right field next year, you know, alongside with Adam Engel and Gavin Sheets, hopefully. So, between those three yeah. playing right field and DH and stuff. I mean, that's going to be, I, I mean, I feel pretty confident um, about the Sox next season. 
It's just oh, Tony Larusa knows this, but he needs to be better as a manager, and, and the defense just just needs to be locked down. Because I mean that that's why we lost that I series think the in the playoffs. Is, is, yeah, the defense is obviously the the number one thing to me that kind of needs to be better, top to bottom, every player, uh, all all positions, and yeah, offense. We were pretty good for the bottom bottom of the lineup. I would like to see some more production. I think that's where they really lacked last year after we lost Madrigal and then just with the injuries in general. So it's definitely yeah. an exciting year. But yeah, man, defense. That was honestly kind of rough. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mankata can barely make a throw to third base. I mean, that was... Uh, you know, that was just, it was just kind of sad to see. And then, you know, I, I mean, I love uh, Luis Robert and I think he's going to be the MVP of the team. You know, oh, I, he, may be, he may be the MVP uh, of the whole league. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I saw a couple of plays to where he totally just overshot Tim. And I mean, he just tried to throw straight to the play and it's like, look, you're really not going to throw that many guys out. I don't care who you are. You know? Right. I think that is the biggest thing for me is this team is so good and we have a ridiculous amount of talent at all positions of the field but each one of them tries to be a superstar instead of just playing baseball you know I think when you look at Mike Trout arguably the best player in the game right now and has been for the last several years he doesn't try to be a superstar he just plays he's just talented he's just insanely good I see that sometimes with Tim Anderson. He just he tries to a routine ground ball. He tries to make a ridiculous spinning play, and and throws the ball away. Mancada does the same thing. Robert and Aloy they all try to just nail the guy at home instead of hitting the cutoff man and just doing their part. They try to do the whole part, and so that's right. something that needs to change for this next year. Absolutely. Right. Just, I had a coach that always tell me, just do your job. That's all you need to do. Know what you have to do on every play and do your job and, and execute. I mean, with the, you know, we saw with Jose Abreu, he was the MVP of the league in 2020. He's a great hitter, but when Aloy wasn't there, I mean, I felt like, you know, he thought he had to do, do it all. And it's like, Hey man, you know, if they're going to walk you, look at Grandel. If they're not going to pitch you and they're pitching inside, they're throwing balls, throwing stuff in the dirt. You don't have to swing, man. That, I mean, you got professionals behind you. You got to trust your teammates. And I think I'll have a better understanding um, of that. And hopefully we all stay healthy and stuff. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a really exciting season. Uh, one thing I, I do want to see Tony uh, do next season is kind of have more uh, consistent lineups. You know, I, I felt like he was kind of all over the place, especially with like Mankata. And I know you got to go with the hot hand and a hot bat and stuff, but you know, you, you have him as batting second, and then you have him batting like sixth or seventh, and then you put him up, you know, mm-hmm. the fourth. I mean, you're bouncing up. Like I said, <clears throat> you got to learn your role on the team. And I just felt like he just never knew what, like, what his role was. So if we have a consistent yeah. lineup, and especially him batting, you know, uh, righty and lefty, it, uh, I mean, the the pitcher shouldn't matter if, if, if he's a Salopar, you know, right handed uh, pitcher. So. Uh, yeah, I really I want to see the the consistently w- w- with the lineup. You know, that's uh, it's a must 
it's a must to me. I think for Tony, to me, there's not much Tony has to do to be better. I think that is the biggest thing. You you just nailed that in the head. I think the lineup changes um, really kind of hindered the the offense. And I, I understand if things aren't working, you have to switch it up. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, I, I know there was a ton of injuries. I know there was all, the, all of that. But a, a consistent lineup would be absolutely ideal. Maybe a lot of it was him just kind of feeling, getting a feel for the team. But it did feel like it continued even into the playoffs a little bit, which I would like to kind of be a little more solidified. Yeah, I mean, we we text I think every day about the White Sox or baseball or sports related, and you know the the one thing that you know that you know throughout the season that you know you you always touched on was was the lineups, and it, it's it's easy to complain, right? But that that was the one thing you know you always said was he's like, hey, you know, let's let's try to keep it you know consistent, and and ever since you know you told me that, I was like, wow, you know, I mean, how how can you really get into a rhythm? It's kind of like basketball where it's like you know you sit on the bench the whole game. And now you're telling some guy to hit a clutch three in the corner and, you know, with 10 seconds being left with all that pressure on, you know, how, how can you get hot? So I, I'm expecting Makata to have a really big season. And I think a discussion that a lot of people aren't ready to have is if Makata plays terrible this season, what do you do? You know, do you, do you, do you let him walk? Do you, do, you really, do you trade him? I mean, what do you do? Because – this is now, I mean, we, we, we've been waiting for him to get over the hump. And, I mean, he just, you know, he'll, he'll get hot and then he won't. He'll, he'll get hot and then he won't. So, it's, it's I don't know, it's going to be an interesting season. And, you know, so. I think that's where the lineup comes to play because I think this team, again, is so stacked from top to bottom, right? You look, you, you got Tim Anderson at short, typically leading off. You've got Luis Robert, who can who can pretty much play bat two, three, four if you wanted. You got Abreu, you got Eloy, you got uh, Grandal. Just those guys right there. It it should it should take pressure off of Moncada. Um, I think he's one of those guys that's trying to be a superstar, and he tries to do it at the plate. He tries to hit the home runs instead of just making contact, and he chases a lot. So if he would take a little bit, I think it was at 2019 that he had an incredible year offensively. I forget, was it 19 or 20? But he reminded me a lot of Grandal. He was very patient. He waited for the pitch he wanted to hit, and he smoked it. He didn't miss it. So I agree, you know, it's unfortunate, but if, if, if he has a rough year, maybe it's time to, I don't know. It's tough to say move on from Mancata, man. I think I think we want him to be a superstar, but he's still playing good. Right. I mean, he batted 263 last season, 157 strikeouts, mm-hmm. uh, 61 RBIs. Uh, let's see, 14 home runs, 144 games. So, you know, I mean, he was just the about par. The strikeout's alarming. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big strikeout to RBI ratio in my book. But again, he doesn't need to be a guy that hits a hundred RBI season like White Sox Twitter wants him to be. He doesn't have to hit sixty home runs this year. If he can hit 20, 30 home runs, 
play good defense, which is, I think, the most crucial thing, and just take walks if he has to. Let let the other guys be, you know, they will drive him in. I think you kind of touched on Robert being MVP. I, I'm expecting a monster year from him this year. I just hope he stays healthy, man. I agree. I think, you know, his first year, he – had the, we had the COVID season, and then he had the, the injury last year. But his numbers through the first 100 games of his career versus the first 100 games of Mike Trout's career, Robert hasn't beat on a lot of numbers, on a lot of stats. And they're very similar, very similar. So Robert is going to be an absolute stud. He already is. Oh, he's going to be MVP. He, I mean, and if not, then it's biased. But he, he played in 68 games last season. He batted a 338. He had 13 home runs, 43 RBIs, 14 walks, only struck out 61 times. Well, that is that is kind of high. I mean, 61 times in 68 games and uh, 93 hits. So, I mean, dude, I mean, yeah, this guy just has – if he just plays 100 games, man, I mean – you know, if he's got 13 home runs and, you know, closing in on, you know, around 70 games, just imagine 30 more games. I mean, uh, he, he he's going to be great. I mean, the Sox aren't the same without him. Um, so I hope he stays healthy. I mean, this whole team's got to stay healthy if we want to go far. That's um, the biggest thing for next season. I, I, you know, I think a lot of the injuries came because of that shortened COVID season. And I'm hoping this, this lockout, doesn't affect injuries moving forward. Um, that's the biggest thing for me with the lockout. I... You know, I hope these guys are consistently working out. And I, I've seen Dylan Cease on Twitter and Instagram, and I I cannot wait for him. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's going to have another breakout season. He's my dark horse pitcher for the Sox this year. I, I everyone's still talking kind of Giolito, Lynn to be in the Cy Young talk. I think Dylan Cease is the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, he is the best. I mean, anybody says on a team, he is the best stuff. I mean, last year he had a 3.91 ERA. He was 13 and 7, um, 32 games. So, I mean, he, I mean, 1.25 whip. So, uh, that was actually his best season. So, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, his, his, uh, I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe his in this ratio was number one in the Sox, if not number one in the league. I think the Sox overall had the most swings and misses with their pitchers in the league last year. So I expect a lot out of the pitching this year. Absolutely. I think that's huge. That was the biggest issue that I think happened in the playoffs last year. Is our pitchers were just gassed. They they couldn't make it past four innings. It seemed so. I mean, and that and I think that was the farthest. I mean, you know, the the one thing I was actually really there was two things that was that really bothered me last season was pitching Lancelin. I get it, but I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what I would have done personally. So you know, I, I really can't sit up and say. But I mean, you know, that seems a fastball heavy hitting team they're gonna light them up and, and they did they did exactly like so so you know that really bothered me um and then uh when he took out Engel and put a 
who was that out there in right field that missed that fly ball? I mean, that, that changed Garcia. the whole series. Garcia, yeah. And, you know, and I can't really put a blame on Garcia because, you know, he he's he's infield, he's outfield, back in the infield. So maybe that would have – that's kind of like an unfair um, argument to say. But, I mean, like, you know, if, if he was out there, I think he makes that catch. And even with the Sox pitching as bad as they did, you know, I, I would have loved to see how, how they would have reacted to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah. starting pitching was great during the – great during the uh, during the season. I mean, they had to have at least a top five pitching st- starting pitching staff. And, uh, yeah. they, were and they blew happy. it in the playoffs. Oof. So, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know. I, I, I think they were just, yeah, gassed. And, you know, I know what you mean with Houston being such a basketball – hitting team and, and starting Lance Lynn. Uh, I, I, Lynn just usually eats up innings. So I, I, I think that's what Tony was trying to do was just right. have him eat up innings, go against their ace Lance McCullers and eat up innings. But Lynn got knocked out, you know, was it like the second inning or third inning? And it's like, Oh God, here we go. You know? Yeah. And and he had to eat into that bullpen on game one. And it just, we never recovered. I mean, right. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, went wrong in that playoff series, but to not use Michael Kopak in those first two games is that, and I, 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 I like Tony as a manager. I do. I, I know a lot of people, they, they like to complain and say, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. But I mean, man, I mean, every, every pitch and every game it's, it's do or die, man. I mean, you know, it's, it, you got the bullet to your head give your best guy out there. Cause you know what happens if you, if you lose those games, if you lose both those two games, you have to win out. So, and you're not going to pitch and he did, you're not going to pitch Kopech game three, game four. And if they made it to a game five, you're not going to pitch him game five. If you would have used them, you know, maybe game one, you could have you know, spread it up to game three and then have him game five. That would have been perfect. I mean, Kopech, I'm so excited for him because he's going to be, He's insane, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think the I think the pitching as a whole just kind of let us down, and I don't know if that had to do anything with COVID, with that COVID season, and they just ran out of gas. I mean, you can't pitch, you know what? I don't even know how many innings it was in twenty twenty to, you know, two hundred innings as, as they're used to. So, um, yeah, I I I just hope their pitching can, can hold up, and uh, we we just got to stay healthy. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. That's my that's my biggest concern is I, I think Lynn and Giolito and Cease should be okay and Keiko should be okay like inning wise. I'm a little worried for Kopech uh, to be a fifth. I'm super stoked, but you got to be careful with him because I don't I don't want to lose him for the next two years if something happens again. So. We got to be careful with that, but I think the pitching should be better this year, inning wise. I I do think a lot of that was the the COVID year, um, and so hopefully everyone's working out and keeping their arms ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking at Lucas Giolito. I I expect Lucas to have a better season. I mean, he still did great. Don't get me wrong, but there's a couple big games to where I thought he would come in. And this is just during the regular season. He he did turn it on, like that opening day against the Angels. Man, yeah, I mean, he had a freaking gem 
Um, but like, I know he struggled against Houston. His stats last year, he went 11 and nine, 3.53 ERA, which was actually one of his highest minus seeing the 2016 and 18 season. So um, I'd like for him to get that down and, yeah, he went 201 strikeouts, so 31 games. So he, uh, I think he did great, but I'd like to see him improve. I think Lance Lynn will do what he always does, and we'll have to see about Keiko. You know? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited, but I guess only time will tell, right? That's if we have a season. <laughs> I'm optimistic. I, I really don't think. I don't think the players want to lose more money, and I don't think the owners, even though they're rich as can be, they're not going to want to lose money. So I I think something will get done, whether it's a short-term agreement. Uh, But somebody's got to budge here soon, I think. You know, if if they're not happy with anything that the, the, the MLB is proposing, they should come up with an alternative sign a three-year deal and revisit later. Uh, it, a bad agreement in a season is better than no season at all. Yeah. I, I just hope he, I, I just hope we reach an agreement, man. Cause if not, I mean, what are we going to do this summer, man? <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be bored. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, man, um, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my first podcast, so yeah, yeah. This is uh, the only second one, so still probably gonna hit some speed bumps. So, yeah, uh, no. if you guys, if you guys want to send in uh, any questions, um, my links are below. You can send in uh, a question on Anchor. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. It's a great app. I love using it. Super easy. Um, and my Twitter is the Genrite Show. You can you can at me on there or send me a DM. I love. Uh, Love to answer it. So uh, thank you, Eric, for coming on. And this will conclude episode two of the podcast. See you guys later.